Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I was uh, telling Pastor before I walked, uh, walked in today, I'm, I'm in a very strange place. And to get some of this nervousness off me, uh, I just thought I would tell you guys a little bit about it before we start. But during this uh, message and studying and preparing, I experienced experienced some firsts in my life, and it kind of has me off-centered a little bit. While I was preparing, God began to give me visions in my head, and I never had that before in my life. So I don't know exactly where I'm going to go because he's been talking to me over and over. And that has never happened to me. While I was sitting, while I was uh, just, you know, trying to meditate, I've never had him do that before. And the things that I prepared, he began to change them. And it made me nervous. It made me nervous as I just hadn't felt like that before. So I'm not exactly sure where he's going to be taking us today. But I just needed y'all to know that it's a first for me. And when God begins to operate in your life and begins to put you on new paths, sometimes it can be a little nerve-wracking. And so I believe and know that I'm going in the right direction, but uh, this has been, been interesting, uh, interesting time, Pastor, so thank you. Yesterday, uh, went to the graduation, wasn't a part of that, was a part of the first MIT class, but I saw my pastor, and I think maybe this is why God is putting so much on me right now is... I saw him like a pig in mud yesterday. And what that means is, is the vision that went into place three, four, five years ago is becoming real today. And y'all don't understand what that means when you begin to see the vision materialize. And we're going into this I am in campaign, and the vision is about to be gone through in such a way that this is the time for you to get on board. But what happened to me was, and, and, and this is what God showed me while I was sitting right there, and I was just thinking, why are you showing me this? But he, he showed me this man, and his arms were stretched right here. And, and everything in him, his vein was coming through his head. You know, when you're straining. And I could just see him holding the, the, these ropes. And he, and he had the ropes. And he was, he was trying to pull it. And he was trying to pull it. And I was asking God, what, what does that mean? And, and, and we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Where we're going to come from today is Proverbs uh, chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6 today. And I want y'all to remember that image. And, and, and this is what I asked myself in going through this passage today. Why is it so difficult? 
for Christians to trust God and believe he will direct or make our path straight? That's the question that I needed to answer in this text. And, and part of my big idea to summarize is it is difficult for Christians to trust God wholeheartedly because we have an understanding of how to live, work, and play in Egypt, the world. Then we do with our new home in Canaan, the promise. And I saw this man struggling, and he was trying to get to Canaan, and he wasn't moving, and he was straining trying to get there. And I saw God's people on the sideline, not helping, not participating. And the man was straining, and everybody was just looking. And I couldn't understand why. They just kept looking. And God told me, he said, Derek, my people, they're caught in the middle. They want to get to Canaan. They want to get there. They want to get there. But they need some help. And the people on the sideline, they're not cheering. They're not doing anything but just sitting there watching while the man is trying to get to Canaan. And I believe for all of us, including me, that we've done so much in Canaan. It's where we live. It's where we work. It's where we play. A Egypt, thank you. In Egypt, where we do all of what we do and who we are, that it's fearful to go to the unknown and really begin to live out God's purposes in our lives. So we stay back straining with nobody helping because we don't really want to get to purpose in our lives. So let me talk about that. Let me give you some background. King Solomon is the one who wrote this. Uh, he was 12 years old when the throne was turned over to him. And the books that I've been reading, they were saying that he reigned on the throne for about 40 years. He was about 52 when he died. And it was interesting to me that God put a child on the throne with a lot of turmoil going on at that time because David had another son who already claimed that the throne was his. And God had to work it out. So Solomon would be able to build the temple. But his greatest claim to fame was he asked God for discernment as a child. 
And Pastor, I'm still working this out, but for some reason, my mind went to Matthew 18 and 3, and it said, unless you change and become like a little children, like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven sitting on the sideline, not doing anything while the man is straining. If you don't become like little children, you will never, not maybe, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And that was heavy to me. Heavy. And maybe that's why he had Solomon in his early years writing these practical sayings. This is not theological. These are common sense type of statements that we all should abide by to have prolonged life, to have prosperity, to have peace. These are all these things that we should do, but we struggle in doing them. Let me read, Get your because I want you to follow me. I'm going to read verses 1 through 2 and ask the Holy Spirit to help me. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands. What are the commands? Deuteronomy 11, the commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Walk in obedience. Those two things sound easy. Very difficult. Sound easy. I just need you to love me. And if you love me, I need you to walk in obedience. Those two things. And what happens and why we continue to be caught in the middle is because those things aren't consistent or repetitious in our lives. When we begin to come to service, and this is the only time we come to service is to get God's word, it's going to be difficult to not be in the middle because the commandments aren't on our heart. How do you get them on your heart? By repetition, by practice. This is not Alan, Alan Iverson. Practice. What, practice? Yeah, we got to practice this word. And it has to be in our hearts because if it's not in our hearts, We'll stay stuck in the middle. Verses 3 and 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart again. Then you will win favor and have a good name in the sight of God and man, faithfulness, love around your neck. Yeah. 
You've done it. I've done it. Have y'all ever heard this? I'm going to take my religion off for one minute. They didn't mess with my baby. They didn't mess, they didn't mess with my baby. I'm going to take off my shoes. I'm going to take this off my neck. Now, you just stay right here for just one moment because I don't want to hear, want you to hear me curse. Okay, so I'm going to have to take care of business. And then here we go, fighting, fighting. You didn't mess with my baby. And you're not going to do that no more. Shoes off, a wig off. You're not going to mess with them no more. They said all kind of ugly things. And then we come back over here. Lord, forgive me. Let me put back on my faith. I'm going to put back on my shoes. Just forgive me. And see, what happens is that becomes the norm. And there's no, that's what becomes the repetition. I keep doing that. I keep conveniently putting it on and off when I want to put it on and off. And I'm not writing anything on my heart. I'm not writing anything on my heart. And that's where we got to get from. Oh, we stay like this. We're trying to get there. But we're not doing the things that will allow us to get there. Because we don't stay consistent in the things that we do. Patience. I'm going to go fight. And I never give God the opportunity to fight for me. I never give him the opportunity because I go do it. Because Egypt says, I'm going to get instant gratification now and not wait for God. If you go to Exodus, and you guys don't have to go there, when they were, and Pastor did an awesome job in that Exodus series, when they were sitting there waiting by the Red Sea, and Egypt was coming, Pharaoh's army was coming, and the water was on the other side, Moses said, stand still and wait on the salvation of the Lord. He will fight our battle. See, what happens is when we go over here and we start acting ugly and we take off our stuff, we take it off, God doesn't have an opportunity to do what he needs to do. And what we end up doing is hurting our baby more than we think we do. Because those teachers or whoever it might be, they playing all kind of psychological warfare on stuff. But if we can be patient, and I know it's difficult. I'm not saying any of this is easy. But if we learn how to let God fight our battle, I'm not saying you don't have to get up and voice yourself. I'm just saying, if you want favor with God and man, 
we do it differently. We do it differently because, see, the person that was about to become a Christian is watching you. Oh, that's how they act. Well, it ain't no need for me to go that route if they in church every Sunday. They listen to somebody's word every week. And they still take it off and put it on at their convenience. Patience, favor, let the Lord fight our battles. Now, here's my target text for today. I'm not going to be in front of you long. Verses 5 and 6, very important for where we're trying to go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let's look at trust. Trust to rely on, to have confidence in. Now, when you look in the Hebrew and you begin to see what trust is, trust is a little bit stronger word than what we see in Webster's. See, in the Hebrew, what it means is to lean over and put all your weight on it. That's what it means. Put all your weight on him. Not, not, not just rely on him. Not, not just sit in your chair with your feet on the ground. He wants your feet up off the ground. He wants you to put all your weight on him. That's what the Hebrew says. And when we begin to put all the weight on him, here's what you can expect. You can begin to take an introspective look at yourself. You will stop making excuses for the behavior that we have. You will stop blaming others for what's going on in your own life when you begin to trust them and put all your weight on top of him. Secondly, you will begin to go from milk to meat. Spiritual growth. And I think that's what I've been experiencing while I've been studying. Not just getting the milk. That's easy to get. But when you want that to become solid food, you will begin to do things differently in this walk. Thirdly, you will begin to depend on God at another level. You will understand that he will fight your battles for you. And you will be the better for it. And fourth you will begin to experience God in a brand new way because you will experience wins every single day. He will show you his glory every single day when we trust him and lay all of our weight on him, not just some of it. And for some of you, for some of me, if you will, it's been difficult. It's been difficult. Just last week, 
uh, probably two months ago at Kaiser Permanente, where I work. I began to put all my trust and hope in Kaiser. I was working late because I thought my job was going to be eliminated. And if any of you have been through an elimination or a firing or a demotion, you get kind of crazy with that. And my mind was mixed. But God had to reel me back in and say, didn't I get you through bankruptcy? Didn't I get you through foreclosure? Didn't I get you through one divorce? Did I get you through all these different things? Did I, did I get you in through child molestation? I got you through all of those things, Derek. But you can't trust me? You can't trust me? I showed you how to forgive a man that took advantage of you. Show me. But we go back and we remember all that and we still can't trust him. I'm tired of not putting all my weight on him. I got to put all my weight on him. He's the creator, not me. See, we get in the habit of having the created things tell the creator what we want to do. <laughs> and not the creator telling the created thing who you are in this walk. Next one. Lean. Lean on our own, not on our own understanding. To put partial weight on. To lean up against the pole or the podium. I do it a lot because I got a bone-on-bone knee. And I lean on stuff. God is telling us don't lean on our own understanding to make all of our decisions. Don't lean on it. You can lean back. But don't lean on it. And forget all your understand. I mean, not... Not to be, not to get into all the uh, things that we get in by putting all of our trust in our own ability. And that's what ends up happening. We begin to put our own trust in our ability and we begin to question God in our minds. When we start, and that's how you know the breaking point is there, we begin to put all our trust in ourselves and not God. So we'll do crazy things like, uh, let me go get marital advice for somebody that has not married and got two babies' mamas. We'll, we'll just go get advice. Hey, man, tell me how to save my marriage. It, it don't make sense. We, we get financial advice from a nine-year-old who don't even have a bank account. We begin to lean too much on ourselves, and we forget who God is. Romans 9, 21 says, does the potter 
have the right to make out the same lump of clay some pottery from special purposes and some for common use. He's the creator. If he wants to make Pharaoh's heart hardened so that he can get the glory, that's what he's going to do. And it's tough for us to understand that and believe it. That's why don't go crazy with all the whys and what's going on. I had a very close friend to tell me early on in, 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 in doing ministry that how could you love a God that allows babies to be killed in Africa? And I thought it was an interesting statement. I was young. I didn't know. But the real answer is I don't know. God is sovereign. But we, get, we fill our minds with all of this stuff on why this and why do I look like this. And we get caught up in Egypt on our appearance, on what we look like, on how we talk, on why did you do this and why am I in this position. And why, why, why in our mind. God is in control all by himself. And until we begin to realize that we're going to kill ourselves with asking why, let God direct your path. Let him direct your path. Understanding. God has given us the ability to reason, to think, to break down things, to make decisions. He just doesn't want us to get carried away with it. And if we love him, which that's the first command, we're going to do what he wants us to do if we're in communication with him. So here's what Proverbs says. There is uh, Proverbs 14 and 12. Solomon says this. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end, but in the end, it leads to death. When you begin to have your own understanding take place, and you don't ask the creator, the one that fits you in your mama's womb before a seed ever got there, he was looking at you, he knew the Everything he was going to do, he made you beautiful in his eyesight. And then he placed you in your mother's womb before the seed ever got there. He wants you to trust and depend on him solely. Because if we don't, we stay stuck in the middle. Acknowledge. So in the NIV, you might see submit. In the King James, you'll see acknowledge. And I like the the word acknowledge better there because it fits more with the Hebrew word yada. Can y'all say yada? Yada means to know. In the Hebrew, it means to know. God wants in all our ways to acknowledge him to know him, to be intimate with him in all our ways. And that's where we struggle, quite frankly. We struggle because we think this hour and a half or two hours is going to take care of everything. And we don't observe, we don't study, we don't meditate. 
but let Kaiser Permanente call me. I'm going to run over there to get, make sure my paycheck is going to be right. I'll miss study. I'll forget about everything it is that I want to do, and I'll keep complaining. But I won't spend time with the one who created me. I won't give him my all. Hey, y'all, it is difficult. I'm, he, he gave me this word because he wants some of y'all to participate. He wants you to participate. He wants you to do something other than just stay there. Egypt is the world. In order to get to the promise, which is Canaan, we got to come off the sideline and we got to get involved. As long as this man stays like this, it's hard for us to get to Canaan. And we are stuck in the middle. Get to know him on a different level than what you know him today. And he will do some great things. And we're going to get into that. He will do some great things for us. But there has to be a heart change. A heart transplant. And what happens when we say, yes, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Everybody thinks magic just happens. But we still got soul ties. We still got some unforgiveness that lives in here. We still got some thoughts in here that make us act the way we do. And until this changes, and the only way it changes is for us to get involved in the word, to meditate, to get on, to hear from a teacher that is awesome every single week, to get that word inside of us. And we'll be able to acknowledge, to know him, yada, yada. And when we get to know him like that, man, our walk is going to be different because it leads to peace and prosperity. He doesn't say trouble will leave you. We must understand that. James 16.33, the B section of that says, hey disciples, in this world you're going to have some troubles. In this world you're going to have some troubles. So coming to church don't uh, omit you from having any troubles. But here's Derek's translation. In this world, we will have some troubles, Derek, but I will get you from, from out of being stuck in the middle because I've overcome, because Jesus has overcome the world. He got up, y'all. Does anybody know that? He got up. We serve a living God. We serve a great God. He's an awesome God. And if we just allow him to be awesome in our lives, peace, prosperity are there to know him. Lastly, in all your ways, acknowledge him 
and he will make your path straight. Y'all see that and in there? Not or, not if, not a conjunction, not if you do this. In all your ways, if we, if we do what we got to do, acknowledge him, get to know him, he will make our path straight. What does that mean? We're on the path of life. On this path of life. We got all kind of things that come up. But over there we see glory. Canaan. We see it. But there's going to be some left turns. There's going to be some high mountains. There's going to be some flooded out roads on this journey. There's going to be some uh, divorce on this journey. There's going to be some some child molestation on this journey. There's going to be some uh, child beatings on this journey. There's going to be some, some abortion on this journey. There's going to be some homosexuality on this journey. And there's going to be a cross world right in front of you. And you got to decide. You got to decide if you're going to make a golden calf. And I'm going to go to what I know. I'm going to go to alcohol. I'm going to go to drug addiction. I'm going to go to lust. Or am I going to pick my daddy because I've decided to lay all my weight on him? I've decided to stop leaning on my own understanding. And I've gotten to know him. There's a crossroad that comes. Guys, I'm transparent. The reason I'm transparent like I am, because 33 years of my life I held pain inside of me for what I didn't even cause. And I will never let the devil have that much more control in my life so I don't keep secrets. I'm going to say it because I want to be free. He had me in prison for so long. I don't want to be in prison no more. I'm tired of prison. I want to walk the walk. I want to have peace. I want to have prosperity. I want to walk this walk differently. But I'm not going to hold it inside anymore. So you can look at me crazy and everything, but I don't mind it. Because I walk up here with you free. I come from a good place to tell you to get out of the places that you are in that makes you stand over here and watch. Standing over here and watching. And this is where God was messing with me. He was messing with me to tell his people this today. Back in the 50s and 60s. Segregation. See, it wasn't the bad people that made that happen. It was the good people that sat inside and said, this is wrong, but I ain't going to lift a finger to help nothing out. Stuck in the middle. Because when God begins to use you, 
there's going to be some things that happen in our lives. There's going to be adventure. There's going to be danger. There's going to be risk. And there's going to be reward. And the people that get stuck in the middle, they focus on the danger and the risk. So they stay over here paralyzed. Paralyzed to help somebody get to where they want to get to. Paralyzed. That was nationwide community. We will sit in here and watch 12-year-olds take each other out. Gang violence. We will read about it in the newspaper. Them doggone kids. Here's my solution. Let me move to the suburbs. Let me move over to the suburbs and let me get my child out of this. Let me get my child out of this. But I came by. God told me to come by and tell you a bullet don't have a color on it. A bullet don't have nothing on it but where it hit. And a 12-year-old probably don't shoot too good. So he misses somebody and hits somebody that does impact you. But we sit on the sideline, complaining, reading, and we do nothing. We do nothing but move in hope that the problem goes away. Some of y'all might be able, well, what do, you, what do you want me to do? I don't want you to complain about it if you're not going to be about it. That's what I want you to do. If you're going to get involved, get involved. Whatever that might be, get involved. Oh, that's the community. Y'all think I was going to leave y'all? Restoration. See, I, I didn't see some big grapes. I done, I, done seen the, I done seen the fruit of the land. I done seen the fruit of the land. You see what I'm saying? I, I, I done seen 12 or 14, 15 people realize some of the vision. I done seen the fruit of the land. I, I, I seen $2 million worth of land get donated. I've seen some fruit of the land. But here's the problem. The problem is we got 10 spies that gave a bad report. And we got Caleb and Joshua over here giving a good report. And we got the good people in the back that don't want to move. They don't want to move. I see the fruit. I see what y'all are trying to do. I'm trying to come in. I want you to get off the sideline, but we looking. Man, man, that fruit look good. It's big. I, I just want a little taste. But dang, them Amalekites, them Jebusites, I'm a little fearful. When you begin to get used by God, there's going to be some danger. There's going to be some risk. But if you overcome your fear, there's going to be reward in what you do. There's going to be reward in what you do. What I'm telling you, we got to get off the sideline. There's something you can do. As long as you stay here, you will never get to purpose. Purpose resides in Canaan. Your full purpose. You may experience a little bit of success, but I guarantee peace and prosperity won't be with you always. 
won't be with you always. But if we make it and we help this man and we all come off the sidelines and we say, I'm in, and we begin to pull whatever he's pulling together as one unit, as one body, and we pull together. See, here's the thing. In the vision, Pastor and I was just talking to a young lady, and we had that old Marie Callender's over there. And I can begin to see in the vision that we build a business for the community, that it gets some of the felons that come off the street that can't be implemented into society well because they can't get a job and they can't vote. But we show people that are stuck in the middle to be able to get jobs for them and to be able to help them. And it are those children that are at 12 years old that I watched on my Facebook telling me how they already picking up guns, shooting one another. We can have Head Start, an early program. You want to know how to get involved. You want to know how to say, I'm in. Well, this is what you do. You put it in. You bring your time so that the, re the vision can be realized, and then you realize your vision while we're realizing it. See, when we get 300 people to give $1,000, that's 300000 See, here's what y'all think. We're going to run out and go buy uh, a mini jet so we can drive around. That's what y'all think. Because you see other ministries doing craziness like that. But see, here's what we want to do. We want some of y'all to come with us over to our RCF in Africa. And maybe we pay for you to come so you can understand and get an experience. Because that's what it's about. Us helping one another get to our Canaan where we will realize purpose. And that's where we go wrong. We say, you go ahead and do it by yourself, brother. Go ahead and do it. I'm going to sit over here. I, I really don't want to be moved. I'm comfortable. Canaan brings uncomfortability. And for all you that, that know that, that means it's going to stretch you. That means God is going to move you to get to where he wants you to go. But if I just sit over here at rest, I can never get to my Canaan. Never get to my Canaan. God put this on my heart, y'all, and I'm done. Put it on my heart. Because he said, there's too many of my people sitting, calling on my name. And are unwilling to do much. And it's interesting to me because God says, I think over in Corinthians 1, 26, 27, somewhere around there, he says, I choose the foolish to shame the wise. I choose the weak to shame the strong. There's no way in the world that we get to vision with what we have right here. It's going to take God and us working together in unison to get to where we need to get to. My challenge to each man and woman and child 
under my voice. Get off the sideline. Help that man receive his dream and you'll receive yours too. In Egypt, yeah, there's dream possibility, but it's for you only. In Canaan, it's for all of us. It's for all of us. So we got to get to a space in our lives that it can't be just about us. It has to be us pulling each other together. And I heard a great man say, I might not get there with you, but change has happened. And if we can create a movement and you're involved in that movement, don't just give, I, I'm going to say this, and, and Pastor might get me. Don't give your money if you don't want to do anything. Don't, don't. Because as he said when he stood up here, it's not about your money. It's about you getting involved in something that's going to create in this space, in our complex, jobs for people. It's going to create head starts. We already started. Our school is up and running. But we need help. Here's the last thing, and I'm done. I know I keep saying that. I'm like a Baptist preacher because I'm way over. And I'm going to be done. I'm going to be done. I don't know who this is touching, but as the executive pastor, you get news. And there's sometimes that people come in here, drop their children off, don't come in the service and run errands. That's an indictment. Not on them. They stuck in the middle. We got to get unstuck, guys.